0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. Thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing?
1: A little nervous we didn't do a sound check. I'm just realizing. Oh. But uh, it looks all right. Okay. <laughs> we're good to go. Well, we're I, flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. You know We've got to do a sound check because it's been so long since we've done an episode. It's been over a week. I don't know how this works. Usually we go a week. Yeah. Now it's been more than a week. I, I thought you were really like presumptuous when you walked in. I was like, <laughs> right. who is this guy? Oh, right. <laughs> got it. Um uh no I, w- I was sick and and so we took um some time uh, off we're going to do we're going to uh, get this one up as soon as possible and then and then we'll have another regularly scheduled Sunday late Sunday early Monday episode this week. And I guess I'll go ahead and mention the other thing as well.
0: Uh which is what there is a supplemental episode which uh, will be going up right around the same time. Oh, as well, this. yeah.
1: There's already I posted an interview. Yeah. that Jack Fleischer did with uh, director, star, and producer of Pincus, which played at the uh, Los Angeles Film Festival. So you can definitely check out Jack's Jack's interview mm-hmm. there. So that that tied you over, yeah. I ho- hopefully. And yeah, now this is yeah. Say what the other thing is. So uh, there is a there is a uh, a short video that exploded on the
0: internet. Uh, it's called Sorkinisms, and it's it. Basically combines all the go-to phrases that Aaron Uh Sorkin uh, goes to over and over in his movies and television shows, and uh, it was compiled by As It Happens, a friend of mine. I did not know he was working on this. I knew he was a big Sorkin fan, and so uh, the 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 video has you know gotten huge. Everyone has seen it, including like Dule Hill and Josh Charles and stuff Uh like that. Uh, And so uh, his name is Kevin Porter. Uh, my friend, and so uh, I had him over to uh, to interview him, and so the episode, uh, the interview is about fifty minutes long, and we talk about his video along with his love of Sorkin and, and that sort of thing. So uh,
1: that'll be up uh, around this time as well. Now I want to, because I haven't listened to the interview yet, mostly mm-hmm. because you haven't given it to me yet. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but when you were you described this thing to me before I saw it, I was a little bit behind behind the curve mm-hmm. on Sorkinisms. Sor- Uh, the hit internet video. Uh, and you described that you wanted to interview this guy about being a big fan of something and making a video that you saw as being, um, uh, negative. I'm not sure if I see it that way. I think, I think how you take
0: it is indicative of your relationship to Aaron Sorkin, but also artists in general. And and are they merely creating a brand or are they being lazy? That sort of thing
1: because I, I yeah because I, I watched it with that with your statement in mind and thought mm. oh you'd ha- you'd already have to dislike Aaron Sorkin to see this as a negative thing right. and I, I, as, as a Sorkin fan I found it celebratory see and I found it to be and
0: and I'm more of a fan of his than I than I used to be and I thought it was like, oh that's interesting I don't I don't think this makes him a bad writer or anything but then there are some people who say like oh Sorkin's a hack and it's like really twenty years. Of filmmaking, uh, of writing, conden- and then we have this seven and a half minute thing showing mm-hmm. repeated phrases and stuff. And that, to you, qualifies him as a hack. Yeah. Now, Kevin has told me that he cut out several more minutes of huh. repeated phrases, but because he wanted it to be a little shorter and he wanted it to have a sort of a certain rhythm to it. And, uh, and, yeah, so I don't – I didn't take it as a, as a critique, and he certainly didn't mean it as a critique. He's a huge uh, Aaron Sorkin fan. But he said he did want it to be kind of ambiguous. Uh, he wanted people to start asking questions like, does this mean he's a bad writer? Does it mean he's a particularly good writer because he's returning to certain uh, themes, certainly, but also even certain phrases? Does that make him bad? You know, it's – so it's uh I'm I'm happy with the interview Kevin yeah. said some really interesting things and so the go other, and go and listen to that.
1: The only thing that thing that's in there that I don't think fits the bill mm-hmm. is the references in both American President and West Wing to the idea of a proportional response because mm-hmm. I don't think that's him reusing phrases that's him returning to a theme and an idea. If you've seen both those things he's not just a turn of phrase proportional response like he's actually like Sorkin is actually investigating the idea of what does a resp- proportional response earn the nation who has been offended.
0: But I think I think uh, it was not merely proportional response. It was the virtue of a proportional right, right, response. Right. Like that phrase, using the word virtue, not value, not uh, importance, the virtue of a proportional response. All right. So I think— Well, anyway,
1: you can yeah. hear—I'll talk about this in—you uh, can hear a lot of talk about this, uh, I'm sure, in— um, tyler's interview with with kevin um anything else oh well andrew saris died oh um, indeed yes and uh for those
0: that didn't hear what david just said andrew saris died am i i took a drink of water am i, am I particularly mumbly no i just you you just said oh this as no. if we weren't going to touch on it it's like oh we're gonna spend the next several minutes talking about it i don't so know I, yeah i don't know should. how
1: much time we're gonna spend right um but uh, uh i i He's, I, I I don't know, I feel like he is not someone, or was, he's someone who's very important, but doesn't, I, just, I guess I just don't, didn't see his name coming up quite as often as you see, like, obviously, a Pauline kale right. uh, a contemporary of his. Yeah, uh, uh, And, I mean, even, uh, you know, we even went to film school, and I feel like Andrew Serres' name didn't come up that much. I knew him... Uh, I, I knew him because it was he was someone that Quentin Tarantino talked about. I, uh,
0: for a while, would subscribe to the New York Observer, and I think that was the, and he would write for that along with uh, Rex Reed, who is uh, just a just a bundle of joy to read. Um, the uh, and that was the first I like time I like that there
1: are voices like Rex Reed's. Out
0: oh, there. I, I am too. I, I'm happy about that. But part of me is like, man, oh man. I cannot get inside this man's head. Yeah, but I like that there are. Yeah, I'm fine that there are being contrary opinions, not contrarian. Just different but
1: different con- ways of thinking about yeah, movie like someone someone loving movies as much as I do for different reasons. I Absolutely, like
0: there's there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and uh, we even have a couple of bloggers who every once in a while they'll, they'll not ever they'll frequently throw out an opinion, just like you know what I don't see that at all, but I'm glad that uh, you're writing for us. You, you know, know that know? guy Scott and I. That's the one he likes shame. He likes that movie. Yeah. It's insane. He's you and I are kind of on the outs with that, by the way. Like most people like Shane. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We we had uh my the 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 girlfriend and I had a barbecue this past weekend, you couldn't make it, you were celebrating your anniversary. Congrat congratulations. Thank what is it? Seven years? Seven years. Seven years you've been married. That's right. Jeez Louise. Um and, and by shame the way, came, uh, in a group of uh, movie nerds, shame came up, and uh, yeah, Scott was the only one who liked it. Yeah, okay, well, that's all right. That's good. That's right. as it should Sorry, be. Sorry, by the way, you were going to say something mean about me. No, it wasn't about
0: you. It was oh. about other people where uh, I mentioned on Facebook and, and Twitter that it's like, hey, I've, this is my seven-year anniversary. I'm very excited. You know, this is a, amazing.
1: You know, it gives me the opportunity to talk about how awesome it is to be married. Um, and now, so you don't have... As big an extended family as I do. No, not so, at all. So you're probably not getting a, a whole lot of when you're going to have babies. Maybe no, from no, her side, because I think she's got a bigger family.
0: She has a bigger family. We're not getting it from anybody. I'm so excited.
1: Really? Yes. That is surprising. It is wonderful. Because um, I, I, I think I, I was home. My sister got married uh, March of 2011. Sorry, I mm, keep cutting you off. That's fine. Um, March of 2011. Uh, I've been with my uh, girlfriend since December of 2008 okay last christmas i was home and we were going to the big christmas family thing and i said to my brother-in-law keep track of how many times they ask you about kids and i'll keep track of how many times they ask me when i'm going to get married oh no question yeah. and we'll see and i think he beat me by one at the, at the end of the night
0: nice but what was the final
1: tally uh not as not as big as you'd, as you'd think like, okay. like four or five each in one night, that's... But I have an enormous family. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> We're talking about scores of people. No, the
0: thing that got me was... Uh, so I had mentioned, you know, today marks seven years of, of marriage to a really awesome woman, that kind of thing. Uh, and then I got to... Somebody saying it's like, it's like, oh, is that uh, your wife saying like you got the seven year itch? It's like, what the hell are you talking about? You mean that's my that's my code for I want to get divorced or screw around with someone that isn't my wife? What do you think I am saying? And I'm sure he was kind of joking, but at the same time, like maybe that's not a joke to make on my anniversary day when I'm very excited to be married.
1: Yeah, I don't know. You got to respect the guy's uh, cojones. Do
0: I? No, you don't have to. Okay, yeah. Don't tell me what I have to do. Uh, what I have to do is get back to Andrew Sarris,
1: and what I have to do is stop looking out your window because there are three adorable stray kittens yeah. that you have been feeding. Yeah. And what are you going to do with them? It,
0: uh, nothing. We're going to keep feeding them, and then we uh, we clean up after them outside because <laughs> they're they're pretty much feral at this point. They don't trust people. Okay. So uh, so we feed them so that they have a place to you know to go for food. But as we've established from uh, previous uh, episodes, my landlord does not like people feeding the cats. Yeah. And so, uh, so we've promised to uh, clean up after them uh, in the front of the building there. Okay. So
1: anyway. Well, I, I, I don't know why they don't uh, trust people. All I want to do is love them and hug them and pet oh, them. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, un- They're too cute for words.
0: Unfortunately, my cat, Charlie, uh, regularly lunges at the glass door with murder in <laughs> mind. So, uh, which can be quite jarring. when It's 3 a.m., I'm working. I get headphones in, I'm listening to a podcast or something, and then just wham! And it's like, oh my gosh, is somebody breaking in? No, it's just my, my murderous cat. Um, okay, no, okay. So, so Andrew Sarris, the thing that, <laughs> that yeah, I, how, yeah, we're back to that. Um, I'd say the reason that we didn't hear much about him... As opposed to say Pauline Kael, like what do you know about Pauline
1: Kael? Uh, I know that she didn't know anyone who voted for Nixon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, was it Nixon? Do you know that story? No. She got. I can't. She got sort of lambasted by the conservative press after one election. I think it was when Nixon won, and she said no one I know voted for Richard Nixon. But I, I, I'm starting to like doubt that it was okay, Richard Nixon. Um, but it was her words were taken out of context. She was talking about how people it, it, it exists in sort of echo chambers and like surround themselves with like-minded people and yes. so you tend to not know uh but it, it got painted as a sort of liberal elitism or smugness yeah, yeah. um I would never associate with somebody no, right, who, right, yeah and yeah. that, that's not what she was saying but right. that's anyway that's not really the biggest thing i know about Plankale Kale but it is something that what I What would want you say is the biggest thing? I don't know what what are you what are you stabbing at?
0: Here's what i'm stabbing at is she wrote an extended essay uh Tearing Apart, Citizen Kane, and Orson Welles. Uh, well, that's what
1: you know her best for, because it's your favorite movie.
0: It is my favorite movie, but also it's like, it, it started something of a, and she was going against uh, critical opinion, and she was also, and it's also, by the way, I've read the essay, it's pretty sloppily written, and there are sources that are, and like, she cites them and gets no confirmation.
1: So you're not a Pauline kale fan?
0: Not as, not as far as that. Okay. I've read some of her other stuff, and I, and, I, and I enjoy it. But I think... Oh, she
1: also coined the phrase, kiss, 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 kiss bang, 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 bang. Yes. Uh, I think I said bang three times. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> kiss, kiss, kiss. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I lean a little heavily <laughs> toward the violence. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and so, um, so I think... But that is kind of what she's known for in certain circles. I'd say maybe people of our generation maybe know her that way, because Peter Bogdanovich has spoken at length about uh, his disagreement with her because he was friends with Thorston Wells, and he actually wrote a long essay in response to her essay and then it, and then he actually noted that while she never um, retracted some of the stuff that she said in her essay, she never again wrote a long essay like that. Hmm. It was only reviews. And so, because she came under some, some fire as a result. But anyway, uh, this isn't about Pauline kale She's been gone for a while. Um, but what I mean to say is, She's notable for that because she was against critical opinion. Whereas Andrew Serres, he kind of perpetuate. He was one of the early American perpetuators. I don't know if that's the word um, of the champions. Auteur, champions proponents proponents. Thank you of uh, of the auteur theory, which has come to I'd say it's not completely uh, accepted, but it's I'd say it's mostly accepted
1: in critical in critic circles. I, I, I feel like it's become. Uh, uh, tacitly accepted by studios as well. Probably, yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it does seem like... It's well, kind of understood the director's in charge of everything. Now. Well, and they'll even like put it out that way, like
0: from the director of, you know...
1: Yeah, that's just marketing now, because they do from the producer of, too. Or, yeah, from... Or fr- from the studio that brought you. That's my favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, wow, you're really reaching for <laughs> yeah. anything you can get. Um, but yeah, and so I think I think... You know, because he was a proponent of that, but not the originator of that. I think it's easy for him to get sort of lost in the shuffle. Whereas if he was a proponent of something that is not accepted, mm-hmm. I think people would be like, "Oh, look at this! Look at this guy's interesting theory." I don't think I agree with it, but it's that's interesting. But he was just one person who who helped to expand it, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that's a very good thing. Uh, and he wrote at length about it. But uh, but I think so, maybe that's why he's not remembered
1: is because he's just one more, but he's not the originator. sounds like what you're saying is if I want to be remembered as a critic, I need to start working on a very long essay about why, I don't know, The Dark Knight is terrible. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Something I, like that. I like The Dark Knight. I intentionally yeah. picked something that I like. Well, I, I, wanna, if you I, I didn't some... want to start any... Flame wars. I'm mentioning something that's that people like that I don't like. Yes, like Inception or Back to the Future. One should say yes. Um, <laughs>
0: you know, if you let's put it this way: if you wrote a long essay about how Pulp Fiction is bad, right, right, you might be remembered for that.
1: Maybe. Um, but at the same, uh, Pulp Fiction I mean, like, if, like, if it got published. Yeah, or like Goodfellas. I mean, we, we publish things on our website. Yeah, and a, a certain number of people look at them. More yeah. people should be looking at them. I agree. Our reviews. I mean, I'm speaking. Not only of myself because I write great reviews, but our reviews in general
0: are really, really awesome. I I do, I do stand by them. The ones uh, I stand by other people's reviews more than my own. Every once in a while, I'll write one. I'm like, yep that's that's about as that's about the best I can do. But then there are some I'm like, I had a deadline, (laughs) 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 and I probably exceeded it. So I got to this had to be posted yesterday. So I don't, I can't really rewrite it.
1: So I'm just saying. We wanted the website. I, I wanted at least my idea was for the website is a, a place that people would check before making a movie viewing decision. It would mm-hmm. be a home for reviews, both theatrical and home video stuff. And I don't feel like enough people are doing that, but they should be because well, we are a good
0: source. I have a theory as to why they're not doing that because they look at the they look at the website and be like, "I haven't
1: heard of that, or it's not in my city." Moving on, <laughs> I think it's probably that.
0: Well, so. there's a
1: search function. I'm saying like. When the thing that opened in Los Angeles two months ago comes to your city of St. Louis or or what have you, mm-hmm. you use the search function. to Figure out what uh, we had to say about it, if we had anything to say about it. Yeah, sorry, yeah.
0: I don't mean to. To un- I like our website, but I don't mean to. I don't mean to undercut it. Uh huh. But we don't have reviews of
1: everything. Yeah, that's not our fault. It's not our fault. Get on it, studios. <laughs> <laughs> All right, blame the studios, folks. Um, that's what we do. Anyway, that's my that's my bitterness for the week. That oh, okay. The website's going well. Yeah. I just, I just... Why look a gift horse in the mouth? I just always wish more people were, were were looking at it. That is a recipe for misery.
0: If it, if no. all you ever want is more, then you're never going to be happy with what you have.
1: Uh, no, contentedness is death. No, I don't complacency ever. is death. I don't ever want to not be... I don't ever want to be a, a dead shark, like uh, Woody Allen's uh, Elvis Singer's relationship. Okay, fair enough. I I, I, I don't want, ever want to be content with where I am. Wow, that sounds
0: absolutely miserable. <laughs> so, um, okay. I think there's nothing wrong with contentedness. I think uh, complacency is when you get uh, when you worry, and it's a fine line between the two, by the way.
1: Okay, uh, uh, Andrew Saris. Uh, anyway, it, he was it, a good critic, and he, and he was a good. Yes, that's kind of what we're getting at.
0: here. Later on in his career, I didn't. I I often did not agree with with uh, what he said. He, for example, um, I know that you're not a huge Christopher Nolan fan, but he, if I recall correctly. Really did not care for him. I might be thinking of somebody else uh, because at the time, again, New York Observer. I think they had three critics. One of them was Rex Reed. One was Andrew Saris. I don't remember who the third one was. And uh, at the time, I think I only knew of Rex Reed. Uh, but uh, but one of one of them, uh, and I think it was Andrew Saris, did not care for for Christopher Nolan. But but I do remember whether I agreed with him or not. I liked him as a writer, and I thought he did what I like a critic to do. He does not put on this false sense of uh, objectivity. He understood that this is my response to it. And so his his, his uh, reviews were often quite personal. Some people might have a problem with that. but um, I don't but have I, a problem with that. I don't either. I, I like th- I really liked it quite a bit. So uh, he's worth seeking out, and, uh, and he really did – if you – believe in the auteur theory and you find yourself having that discussion and you defend it or something like that uh, a lot of that in in the u.s can be owed
1: to andrew saris so
0: he will be missed david yes
1: yes okay when i was trying to look something up here to make a segue about critical uh consensus um well one thing we can all agree about is uh tweaked audio (laughs) Yeah, we can agree that com slash pretension is the place to go for high-quality, uh, uh, affordable, um, professional-quality earbuds. Indeed. Uh, com slash pretension. You get a third off. It's free shipping. It's a good product at a low price to begin with. Yes. We're offering you some extra uh, extra incentive to go out and get yourself a decent, above-decent pair of earbuds.
0: And, and it every everything that you get from uh, Battlestar- uh tweaked audio.com slash pretension mm. everything you get from there does uh, a percentage of it does go to help
1: us so, yeah so um, we appreciate it
0: yeah and and as I say as i always say um i'm de- i'm surprised and delighted at how how much people are still Buying stuff, and I know that. Again, I know that it's like we hey, a lot
1: of listeners, not
0: enough because I'll never be happy. Of course, yes, and it's your fault, listener. Even though you're listening now, no, I'm not um, mad at the listener. Okay, I mean, if they're, friends. Uh,
1: yeah, if they're not telling their friends, if they're not yeah, doing yeah. their part, Absolutely. there. You yeah. know what? You've convinced me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a yeah. I'm I'm a little uh, miffed. Get, get with the program. Um, but at the same time, like
0: I, I do understand, like hey, it's an opportunity to get some earbuds at a at a percentage off. But I also feel like some people probably do it because it also helps us and so we really do appreciate that so yeah you get something we get something
1: do it slash potential um so what i was looking up when i finally got it uh, i was looking up the rotten tomatoes uh score for ted seth mcfarlane's ted Mm -hmm. seth mcfarlane not mcfarlane right uh and now you you had led me to believe that i was in really disliking ted in the minority and i guess i technically am but it's not as overwhelming as I wouldn't say uh, a vast minority, yeah, but it's I was surprised. 60, it's at 66% of yeah. Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Which, given the review that you wrote, 66% surprises me. Right. I yes. was expecting in the 30s or 40s.
1: Yeah, I, I found it um, uh, painful to sit through, uh, for the okay. most part. All right. Um, but especially painful, because I found myself very frustrated by it. This will get us into the main topic here. mm mm-hmm. um, because I actually think from a craft point of view, it's it's a well-made film. Seth MacFarlane it proves himself to actually be more than competent um, as a, a director of live-action films. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that he has uh, filled this uh, well-crafted movie with the most uh just painfully unintelligent uh uninsightful uninspired quote-unquote comedy that you can imagine (laughs) um and i mean obviously I, i with any comment i could point to three funny things in Jack and Jill there are funny things in yeah. any in any almost any comedy has if something. you throw enough stuff at the wall something will stick yeah and so there there are definitely things that make, made made me laugh uh in in Ted but for the most part i found myself um do you ever feel like no you and i are kind of comedy snobs maybe mm-hmm. that plays into this a little bit possibly but uh i'm not going to apologize for it but do you ever find when you're in a situation, be it at a comedy show or a movie where something doesn't strike you as funny, that does say this is coming across as the elitist, but this isn't how I, how I I mean it, uh, quite the opposite. If most of the room is laughing at something and you're not, how do you feel about that? Do you feel self-conscious? Um, or do you feel better than
0: them? You know, it, it, Uh, I'd say it depends on what it is. Um, if it's the kind of thing where, and yes, this is going to sound very elitist. Sorry, everybody. Um, if it is a joke of like where it's pure shock. Right. Uh, which is, I, I assume, a lot of what you're, you'll are you be talking about with, with Ted. Uh, if it's pure shock, it, then I recognize, oh, they're laughing because they weren't expecting that. But if they were to actually take a moment. And that's the thing. It's not merely that. I'm an elitist. It's that I, I listen to a lot of comedy. Sure. And yeah. I probably would have laughed at that as well after a certain point. But after, after a while you just, if you engage in a lot of comedy, you'll hear the shock comedy yeah.
1: and then you'll move
0: on. Yeah. You'll, thing, you'll just, things
1: sort of stop yeah. being surprising. Yeah. It becomes
0: yeah. a common denominator. Like when you listen to, I believe you mentioned Sarah Silverman in, in your, review, in your yes. view, you know, she says some of the most vile things. And so you think like, Well, I've already heard this. You know, I've seen the documentary The Aristocrats. I've heard vile things. Like, this is not that. It's not shocking to me anymore. And so, am I still laughing though the shock has been removed? If I am, then that means there's something more than that. If I'm not laughing, it's like, okay, this is purely a laugh of. Oh my gosh! Just yeah. that, yeah. Um, and the same could be said of, of uh, something you and I have talked about: recognition comedy. When somebody makes reference to something, and you're like, "Oh, I recognize that," and I laugh because I recognize it. it's like, but are they saying anything about it? Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I fall prey to that as well. Because no matter how elitist or snobbish you are, if somebody makes reference to something you know about, and you thought, and you thought you were the only one. Or maybe you and your friends, and then you discover someone else who remembers that, and you're like, ah, you know. Um, and y- there's a laughter there, but if it goes, but after a while, it's just like, okay, we we all we all know the same things. So now that that's the common denominator, what else do you have to bring to the table?
1: Yeah, uh, the recognition thing. There's a lot of dumb recognition comedy in Ted as well. A lot of uh, flash Gordon related stuff that isn't is not particularly funny. Mm-hmm. But then <laughs> I do want to do, it's things I liked. There's also um, a part that I thought was going to be that because they're, like, at a party and, and Ted and singing karaoke uh, on the TV to Hootie and the Blowfish Only They Want to Be With You. And so my thought was, oh, so he's just, like, poking fun at this lame song from 20 years ago. <laughs> then yeah. he starts making observations about the way the sort of vocal phrasings that were in vogue in the 90s in rock music and he says that you can sing any 90s song using only vowels. (laughs) That's actually pretty funny. Anyway, that's all to say there are things in TED that I did like. Uh, Most of it I did not. Um, But something... Well, let's get into it here. We want to talk about... Uh, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, come on. Uh, I what I, to, you're losing your touch. What I want to talk about... And it's something that we've talked about before in movies um, like Dirty Work. Yeah. I mean we, you and I both love because it's very funny, even though it is very poorly made. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Bob, Bob Saget, not... Uh, <laughs> He's no uh, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, what a weird uh, thing to say. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what... Um, what Andrew Saris would have found in his <laughs> uh uh, uh tourist tendencies. <laughs> um but uh I'm starting to wonder if that's enough for me anymore. If I watched Dirty Work for the first time today, mm-hmm. would I feel the same way hmm. about it? Uh and part of it is because um through podcasts, the accessibility of comedy yeah. Is constant. You know, I listened, I'm listening to lots of comedy all the time, every day now, you yeah. know, in the car, on the bus, uh, while I'm doing things at work. Um, and, and so, and also I've become more, I guess, um, I'm always trying to be more sophisticated about, about, about film and how I, mm-hmm. uh, how I analyze it. So I f- feel like I, now I kind of need a movie to be a good movie, which doesn't necessarily mean a good story. Which is what um, uh, not that, that the mean. isn't actually a very good story. It's just told well. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a bad story told well with um, lots of bad jokes. Uh, don't go see it. It's not good. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so so I don't just mean a good a good story because there are things like um, Anchorman that is not, it does not Like if you, if you map out the sort of Aristotelian, like plot arc, it doesn't, <laughs> I mean, it's there, but it's not, uh, it's not well executed in that sense. Right. But it is a film that knows what it's doing. I think mm-hmm. as a film and employs filmmaking techniques, you know, I would say, um, cloudy with the chance of meatballs is another thing that is, um, uh, I think, uh, filmically dynamic, and uh and and thought out and cohesive uh and so i guess the topic that we need to get into is does a comedy have to first and foremost be funny or does it is it also under the same pressure as any other kind of movie to be a good movie well and i think in
0: asking that you uh, you find yourself asking what are what are the comedies that people consider to be the best they're almost never straight up random unless it, unless it is something like airplane or say the meaning of life. That, no, okay. that is a parody and a sketch. Uh, movie. But like, those also are,
1: I, I will tell you, right. I think meaning of life is a very well-made, uh, film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautifully photographed yeah. that movie. Um, I would, not something I realized when I was younger when I had only seen <laughs> crappy VHS versions of it. Uh, but it, <laughs> uh it is a, a beautiful movie to look at um it's uh incredibly intelligent about the thing that it's um satirizing yeah uh and then um airplane i think it might seem like randomness but actually it's this uh it, you know postmodernist melange it's uh and it, it, and it, and it uh, and maybe this is where my snobbery is coming in or maybe not snobbery, but the, the divide for me. So many of the jokes in airplane come from the filmmaking. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe that's where this is coming from. The idea that I can live going back to the podcast thing or the comedy album thing. Mm-hmm. I can listen to people say funny stuff all the time now. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the method that, um, has worked, uh, for some directors, um, I would say, uh, early Todd Phillips we'll get into Todd Phillips a little bit later okay. but like things like old school uh, you know or even uh, uh, John Landis I think is a good example mm. who, you know he's made some comedies that I think people think of as great comedies but I don't know that John Landis was um, uh, as a comedy director obviously he's done other things yeah. but as a comedy director I don't think he was all that skilled, he just kind of knew where to point the camera. Uh, yeah. Martin Brest in um, Beverly Hills Cop, which is a movie that I inexplicably still love to this day. Yeah, I feel like it's something I should have grown out of, but I could I would watch Beverly Hills Cop right mm-hmm. now. Um, uh, and so maybe what I'm maybe what I'm talking about is that I need the comedy to be specifically a film comedy to stand out in that way.
0: Well, and I think and
1: I'm just putting that out there. I'm not saying that for sure. I'm just saying maybe.
0: I was, uh, while you were talking, I was thinking, uh, you weren't listening, uh, huh? No, I, I got uh-huh. some of it. Um, I said this thing about th- Todd
1: Phillips and I said this thing about Martin Brest. Okay. Uh, you should have heard it. He made that awesome movie, Beverly Hills Cop, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. He also made the hilarious meet Joe black. Oh yeah. It is funny when he gets by his pet in a car, right? <laughs> <And> <laughs> meet <Joe Black>. Um, <laughs> I was listening of course, but, uh, uh, you know, in high school I thought meet Joe black was a good movie. That's how like dumb I was um it's not have you like looked at it recently it's not
0: it's not terrible i like oh. i like anthony hopkins in it i think it, But it doing is, some
1: good stuff it is so hammy that yeah. movie and so i thought i thought it was i thought it was a good movie at the time so i didn't think brad pitt getting hit by the car was funny i thought oh that was that was like a beautiful moment cut short yeah you know um i watch it now and a because i know that the movie is generally not very good And because obviously, like, sort of visual effects techniques have advanced, it's just hilarious to me now when he he gets hit by that car.
0: I suppose. (laughs) Two cars, right? Yeah. Yeah, he gets hit
1: by... And he almost makes it down to the ground. That other one swoops in and (laughs) knocks him for another spin. (laughs) Strange. Strange uh, tangent. But um,
0: (laughs) what I was was thinking a moment ago is like, okay, well, maybe the the movies that are considered the best comedies... um, Perhaps what makes them best is, like, uh, comedy extends from a character, whether it be a character acting, uh, an interesting character acting consistent or inconsistent occasionally with who they are. But then the more I thought of it, it's like, you know, it's bigger than just that. A lot of it can come out of character. I think Anchorman, for example, each character is pretty
1: clearly defined. Narrowly defined, but still.
0: Yes. Narrow narrow, yet surprisingly broad.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, I mean that's part of the movie is that these yeah. people are are these incredibly tight stereotypes. Yes, um,
0: and the the humor comes from these stereotypes interacting with one another. Um, but uh, but there still is an arc to uh, Ron Burgundy and and that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, so I thought well maybe it's a character thing, but then I thought well no because uh, the, there's airplane which is a parody and then there's Uh, meaning of life which is basically you know a sketch movie and it's like well those have you know those have characters airplane has consistent characters and humor comes out of that Mm -hmm. and i thought yeah but it's wait earlier you said meaning of life i think i was reacting as if you had said life of brian oh i'm sorry no that's a consistent story with consistent characters meaning of life is what i was talking about okay um which is like a
1: sketch film and i might have even said meaning of life you did while talking about life of brian in my mind man are you well, still sick? They, 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 Blow your no, no, Bl- Monty Python. You make you make three movies and two of them have the word life in the title. This, this sort of thing is gonna happen. <laughs> the life of the Holy Grail, right? That's uh-huh. what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but then, Which I thought, to, the, to this day, I know I've said it on the show before. Airplane and Holy Grail neck and neck for funniest movie of all time. For I me. think Airplane is 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 my choice.
0: Just I, there's a lot of funny in Holy Grail, but for some reason. It loses its rewatchability after like twenty times. For some reason, Airplane hasn't for me. I don't know why.
1: Um, I, I could watch I could watch Holy Grail twenty times, and and I could watch
0: Airplane. You know what times. I think it is? I think that there's nobody in Airplane who says this is ridiculous. Uh-huh. There is some of that in Holy Grail, but like everyone playing as straight as an arrow in Airplane, I think is what makes it rewatchable because they're unaware of how silly this is.
1: Yeah, if and I think, I think that, and I almost I think that helps this is a bit of a tangent i'll let you get back to your point but uh i think that seriousness helps the uh, because the 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 comedy of airplane isn't just silly like some of it is like truly i think like conceptual and weird and i think that almost helps it go down a little more there's a part i'm thinking about um i think it's before uh, uh when robert stack gets called in and his wife is helping him him put on his tie before he's going to go in yeah and the f- shot is framed as if you're seeing the mirror that yeah. he's looking in and then you realize you're just seeing him and there's yeah. no mirror and and he's you're standing like, in a doorway why, why is he standing <laughs> in a doorway it's what it's like one of the it gets me every time yeah, I know it's coming and it gets me every time and I think and it's, it's so
0: weird is it airplane two that has Robert stack and he pulls off a pair of sunglasses and he's got another pair of sunglasses <laughs> underneath and then a split second later he pulls those off dramatically I don't know what it is about that joke but it is uh, sometimes it's just the joke of like oh didn't see that coming well, how yeah. could I yeah. um, but I think maybe it's it's more than just an understanding of characters it's an understanding of concept like just a total understanding of like this it could be limited it could be broad but a willingness to, un- to explore every comedic avenue within this concept um, and I think that's and even some comedic avenues that maybe aren't in that concept but provided you don't do that too often and it becomes too random that can be part of the humor as well for example there there are scenes in uh, Dr. Strangelove that are just complete like the character himself of Dr. Strangelove mm-hmm. he is so outlandish in this movie that is I'd say also played pretty straight uh, you know George C. Scott's a little over the top at times but he's wonderful um, and so I think I think it's maybe that that is what And that's where good filmmaking can come in, is a willingness to explore within certain parameters Hmm. that you put on yourself. Whereas, Well, yeah,
1: maybe the parameters for Doctor Strange is the thing I want to mention about the filmmaking there is that there's an idea of what comedy filmmaking is. And it works in a lot of cases. When Harry Met Sally, Planes, Trains, Trains, and Automobiles, Um, these are both um, uh, wonderful movies, Mm -hmm. uh, wonderful stories with wonderful characters, but they are generally... More wide shots than close-ups. Yeah. Not a lot of high contrast lighting. You know, kind of, um, you know, a, a generally uh, not too short or long. A lens, kind of a, uh, kind of a, a, a proscenium type of yeah. a presentation of of uh, of what's on screen. Uh, whereas Doctor Strangelove, if you watched it with the sound off, you wouldn't really. Uh, maybe when you see Doctor Strange himself, yeah. but in general, you wouldn't even know it's a comedy. If you watch the sound off. It's right. shot like the movie. Yeah, like the movie Stanley was going to make before he decided to make yeah. this 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 nuclear uh, uh, paranoia movie into a comedy, and that yeah, and that uh, so that's
0: it's funny when you understand the context of things, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like maybe context is a, is a big part of it. Like you need to you need to set certain. Limitations doesn't seem like the right word, but uh, parameters is, is what we were talking about. You need, I feel like you need to set certain parameters so that we know what our limitations are, and if you're going to stretch them, or if you're going to act very much within them, then it gives us a constant and then you that we can latch onto, and then you provide the variables. You get something like, having not seen Ted, but if it's at all like, say, Family Guy, um, you get just complete randomness which there's something to be said for that uh for example i am not a fan of tim and eric awesome show great job but i have a certain degree of respect for it because their context is i this is maybe a little too reductive ugliness yeah no is i think au- that's a big part of it yeah awkwardness ugliness it's completely random within that just discomfort and all of that it can be anything within that, but those are the parameters. And so whereas something like like Family Guy and maybe Ted, I don't know, like with the cutaways, some of which are funny, some uh, of them Ted are not. doesn't
1: actually have as much of that as, okay. uh, as
0: you um, think. But I think, you know, so much of the show, we wind up just trying to define something before we move on. And I, I don't want to spend too much time defining what we why we think comedy can work. But it can't... I think in these... In, in what I'm talking about, I think you can't just throw a bunch of shit at the wall. You have to understand what your limitations are and where you're going to test them. And there is, that's where the comedy comes from. Um, and so like, and that requires, I think a filmmaker's skill set, whether it be from a writing standpoint or a, or a directing or, or editing or, or any of that. Um, I don't know. And so, to bring this back to Ted cause that cause like clearly that is the movie that set you off on this path. Yeah,
1: right? yeah. Okay. It was, it was in writing the review and like finding that I had so many nice things to say about the way the movie is made. I just yeah. don't like the stuff in it.
0: Okay. And I'm trying to think cause yeah, I, I, I defend dirty work up and down of course, but yeah. like you said, if I were to watch it for the first time today,
1: yeah, well, the difference between Dirty Work and Ted is that Dirty Work is funny. Okay, well, there is that, yes. Uh, but no, I mean, I, again, uh, I'm, I'm being lived there, but it is actually, they are polar opposites. Dirty, Dirty Work is a poorly made film that's hilarious. Ted is a pretty well-made film that uh, has almost no comedy in it at all. So what,
0: why do you think Ted doesn't work? I mean, what, like, first off, what kind of comedy is it? Because uh, by the time this comes out, people will not have had a great deal of access
1: to see it. Right, well, yeah, I mean, they'll be able to see it, like, tomorrow. But um, uh, as far as what kind of comedy it is, I'd say way too much of it is, um, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, ironic uh, racism. Oh, There's a lot of racist stereotypes, or also, you know, homosexual stereotypes, or female stereotypes, or or just, like, I guess... um, uh, vulgar sex related stuff. Although I mean, that stuff doesn't, I'm not a big fan of that kind of comedy, but that stuff isn't among the stuff that actually offended me. Right. Uh, I just didn't, I just didn't not that. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the, the racist stuff offended me. Yeah. Um, the sex stuff I just thought was not very funny. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I guess the shock humor, I mean, the family guy, uh, is a show that um that does that too a lot of it you know it, it recent just recently um in his his sort of for your consideration thing for family guy for the emmys said like that it was uh, for brentwood jews because those that's i guess who votes on the Emmys. so that's who he's that, that's what his thing is, that he, he, he yeah. like, s- says these things that are shocking. And sometimes they're actually funny. I remember in an early episode, of family guy had one of those cutaway things to an episode. It was an episode of the Brady Bunch, and they all run down the stairs at the end. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, whatever the youngest girl's name. Cindy, uh, I think. Cindy. Uh, says i don't know what the boys names are bobby's probably one of them uh, bobby i think is one uh says uh stops and says is bobby really a doctor and i was like oh yeah. <laughs> but gonna, you know what i still i still think that's a, that's a good joke yeah it, it's it's it actually makes me uncomfortable yeah uh, but that's a good joke and but that again i'm talking about early family guy yeah i, I feel like he's lost uh, so the the engine's a little dry on the tank's a little dry. You know? Well, but, and... Yeah, anyway.
0: And that's the thing, is is that... Uh, and pe- people would say that, like, the tank's pretty dry with The Simpsons as well, but I think that's just because they've been going so long that they've done every story idea.
1: Right, but no one's saying that the... That The Simpsons, like... Type of like subgenre of humor is dry. Right. Just that the show's not funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. But what, I, what I'm saying is that the well to switch from tank to well, no. but still dryness. The well from which Seth MacFarlane can, keeps continu- like continuing to to try to draw. Yeah, that's what's dry.
0: Well, and the reason I brought up the Simpsons is because it's entirely possible for the Simpsons to get better tomorrow because they have they've created such great consistent characters and they've created such a wonderful world. Of Springfield. Whereas I feel like Seth MacFarlane created characters that they have a very specific look, they have a very specific personality to a certain extent, but the personality can change on a dime whenever he needs it to. And so if, if he starts, if the shock humor starts to wear out, he has nowhere else to go. If the randomness and shock humor, if if we start to get tired of it, and if they feel like, well, we've already kind of done everything, they ha- he has nowhere else to go. He can't be like, well, let's just explore something about Peter. Well, what is there to explore about Peter? You can right. always explore Homer, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I think it's it's that idea. It's almost like, um, and I, I, to go back to like some of the racist stuff, for example, um, it's it's such an easy thing to say, like, like the Brentwood Jews thing yeah it's just like mm-hmm. that's right i said it i mean we're all kind of thinking it <laughs> right you know yeah. i'm just saying it saying it like it is you yeah, know i'm carlos trying
1: to uh, <laughs>
0: that's what he does yeah, that's, what he, that's so. how he thinks of himself well i'm sure he would condemn carlos mencia pretty uh, readily
1: but um yeah oh and ted the character ted in ted has the gall being voiced by seth MacFarlane, director writer and director of the film mm. to uh talk Bad about Adam Sandler's uh, Jack and Jill uh, movie. Yeah. And it's like, you, are, you have no leg to stand on.
0: Yeah, it's different than when uh, South Park was making fun of Jack and Jill in w- what is probably one of the 10 best episodes of their series. Which I, I have not seen that one. No, yeah, you did. It was the... It was oh the, I see. yes yes yes, yeah, yes. that you're getting older yes. episode which is a great episode surprisingly <laughs> poignant and all that yeah
1: um, I, I forgot about that because I always my favorite trailer from that is President Duck yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> the president is a duck or a dog I don't know fuck you or something <laughs> yeah. like that anyway yeah. um, <laughs> oh boy um, but that's the thing is so you so the well runs dry and so you just decide okay. And it's not something that he consciously decides, I'm sure, but it's just... But
1: he did okay. say to himself, okay.
0: Okay, let's go let's go deeper. If the well runs dry, let's dig deeper into this. And that's when you wind up with potentially offensive... Again, I haven't seen the film, but I've seen enough of uh, a family guy to know that. I mean, he gets really, really rough about race. And it, it has that vibe of... Um, Coffee and Cigarettes when Iggy Pop and Tom Waits are talking about how it's okay for them to smoke because they've quit. right? It's almost like him's like, well, look, I don't believe this and neither do you, so let's engage in some of the ugliest stereotypes yeah. ever yeah. and act as he, though this also, might be true.
1: He's also, I think, uh, uh, we'll get back to the topic, not a referendum on Seth MacFarlane specifically, okay. but he's mean to celebrities in a way that I generally don't like. Not that okay. I think people, celebrities need to be protected, but sometimes it's like, there was no point to that there was one i talked about this on on my other show previously on but there was a somewhat recent uh family guy that i saw or caught part of i don't know but basically it was uh peter griffin i guess watching hbo for all the nudity and but then claiming that seeing anna packwood naked doesn't count as seeing a naked woman and i thought that was really mean yeah Uh, why i I don't know (laughs) yeah that's yeah, i thought that i thought that was really mean i guess maybe because she's uh small of stature and maybe not as uh buxom as uh other women on, on hbo I, but i find it i find it humorous to a certain extent
0: maybe because what a weird opinion to have you know what i mean <laughs> just that sort of thing it's just like who, what who says that not because I,
1: it's necessarily offensive but just like really like I don't know. Uh, I'm just... I'm all for making fun of uh, celebrities who deserve it. Yeah. You know, when... You know, there was, like, six months ago, I guess, at this point, a uh, giant up in an interview that said said that being photographed by the paparazzi is, like, being raped. Like, he should be made fun of for that. Yeah. <laughs> that is a really stupid thing to say. But there but was... But Anna Paquin was... didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Anna Paquin's great. Yeah. She's... Uh... You know,
0: the lead of a of a show that is uh, apparently pretty good. I haven't seen it. Yeah. but um, uh, No, it's apparently very popular.
1: Okay, fair enough. I watched two seasons of it. It's not good. Okay. But I also would not um, judge anyone poorly for watching it, because I understand exactly what is fun about it to watch, and if I didn't have such a busy TV schedule, I might watch it too. Anyway, I'm, uh, we are so far afield at this point.
0: I don't think we necessarily are. I mean, this started with Ted, but it also started with, like, I mean, examining, like, if it's it's a well-made film but the comedy isn't working because the comedy seems to exist almost apart from the film being well-made. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, we did a, you know, we've really the obvious thing is the uh, I mentioned Tom Waits earlier, there's a there's a uh, a line in one of his songs and I don't like one of the words in it. He says how many ways can you, you know, polish up a turd and stuff like that. I don't I hate, like that word. I either. hate it so much. It's a pretty awful word. And I I, it almost makes me not want to listen to that song, but it's a good song. Um, but uh, it's it's that idea of just like just you can put a, a lovely frame on on something, uh-huh. but if it's crap, it's crap. And so why is it crap? And it's because if you if you're making a good film. And you and you've got like the the filmmaking techniques, and you've got characters that you understand, and to go back to the, the an understanding of the parameters and the context, and what your goal is, the working, the world in in which you're working. Then I think, I feel like you're on solid ground for humor to happen. Yeah. You know, at, like it almost you almost can't. All you have to really do is get out of the way. But if you. But if you don't have that, if you have some of the techniques...
1: Yeah, look at Woody Allen's best films. Yeah. Uh, He's got great characters. He's also someone who, despite maybe not being virtuosic with his camera or editing, is Mm -hmm. very much aware of the fact that he's making a movie and what he can do with it. And he's actually used movies, obviously, in uh, things like... um, I'm drawing a blank on the one where Jeff Daniels comes out of the out of the picture Purple screen. Rose of Cairo. Uh, okay. Um, uh, but Stardust memories, you yeah. know, even like things like talking, breaking the fourth wall in any hall. No. Um, uh, in, in, in all these things, he is inventive with the format, even midnight in Paris, you know, he uses, no. uh, time travel in a way. You, you couldn't do that in stand up. Right. You right. Can't, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, um, uh, I think, uh, again, to talk about, uh, previously on um, Sean and I off mic before we recorded the other day, we we're talking about Sam Waterston mm-hmm. and uh, crimes and misdemeanors came up and that is Sean's favorite Woody Allen film. And that is that there's a strong argument to be made. It's not my personal favorite, but if someone said it's that's, probably
0: my top three or four.
1: Yeah. If someone said crimes and misdemeanors is the best Woody Allen film, I would not really need to hear much of an argument. It's yeah. it's it, but, but that's, that's the thing. Crimes and misdemeanors is a, there, you could look at that as not a comedy, uh, because yeah. it's got some pretty heavy shit going on, and, and pretty insightful, uh, and and uh, specific and nuanced about mm-hmm. its about uh, about its characters, uh, but it's also hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, we're we're getting uh, we're kind of getting back to what I, what I wanted to yeah. what I wanted to get, um, which is talk about. I don't want to just want to talk about well made movies that aren't funny, like right. like like Ted. Um, but I want to talk about how the my initial thing was i guess trying to be more positive uh that i'm just more inclined to like a movie that is an actual movie you know what i mean whereas i think um uh anchorman is a a great example of something that is like knowingly like sometimes uh almost anti-narrative you know um and 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 uses uh Uses lots of filmmaking techniques to get across its comedy. In two thousand eight, there was a movie also by Adam McKay called Step Brothers. It had a whole lot. It has a whole lot of funny stuff in it. I'd mm-hmm. watch it again tonight if you know if I had the time. Um, but uh, I had this discussion. I can't remember if we had this on mic or not with our friend Matt Belknap because mm-hmm. uh, he said Step Brothers was the best comedy two thousand eight. And my argument is that it's role models, best mm-hmm. comedy of two thousand eight, not because. I laughed harder at role models, although role models is incredibly funny. Yeah. Uh, you've seen it. Right? Oh, yeah, I love it. Um, the uh, I did not see Step Brothers, though. Okay. The part where Paul Rudd gets up, gets up and storms away from the kitchen table, or uh, the dining room table, and Ken Reno leans over and tips his chair forward. <laughs> 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 He's like dead to them. Yeah. That alone is uh, one of the funniest things to happen in a movie in the last five years. But uh, no, the reason that role models is. Um, my favorite comedy was my favorite favorite comedy of the year is because it's a real movie it's coherent Mm. from beginning to end um including actually having a strong third act which is so difficult for mainstream comedies yes uh you know you look at old school a movie that i think is really funny but completely falls apart
0: Uh, i'd say the same with the hangover um, which i like
1: the hangover but like it 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 has a third act
0: but it doesn't it seems to lack a climax
1: huh i guess it does sort of have
0: that thing in in the desert but then it's just like oh i guess we're I guess we're done. I don't
1: know. I like the hangover. I um, do. I
0: like the hangover as well. I own it, but like, and I,
1: but it's I think very we'll, we'll get to Todd Phillips. I actually have Todd Phillips is going to come up with it in we'll a okay. second. Um, uh, but um, you talked about. Now, I'm comparing both Anchorman and Role Models to Step Brothers, but I think it's it's fitting to do so. You talked about how there's a. Uh, vis- visible and understandable character arc mm-hmm. in Anchorman and I don't think that it quite exists in Step Brothers okay. whereas um, Role Models very much has it for both Paul Rudd and for Sean William Scott but also for Bobby J. Thompson and Christopher mintz yeah. um, uh not unfortunately for Elizabeth Banks we still maybe I don't know I didn't see Bridesmaids I hear it's very funny when they all uh, you know vomit and everything mm-hmm. um, but uh, <laughs> It's funny, and it's unfortunate that that scene gets talked about the most because it, it it's, is the only thing that seems yeah. to get talked about. And it is, I, I understand that that's only a small part of the movie, but it is the it is ninety nine point nine percent of the reason I haven't seen it yet. Um, anyway, you should you should do it. I know, uh, but yeah, we still maybe need to make a little more progress with uh, women being allowed to be funny because uh, that was a big problem with Ted too. Is Mila Kunis is funny? We know she's funny. We've seen her be funny in lots of stuff. Well, and that's more of a crime than than Elizabeth Banks and
0: role models because at that time she wasn't quite Elizabeth Banks yet. You right. know what I mean? Like right. she w- she had played uh, she was in W, and she was she had a, a small but notable role in Forty uh, Year Old Virgin.
1: But she was in, but she was in What Had American Summer as well.
0: A lot of people were, but, like, <laughs> right. she was not... If yeah. you say Elizabeth Banks, that actually means something now. But I think I at the see, time I you see. wouldn't say Elizabeth Banks, and not like, okay. uh, like be, Anna Faris right. or something like right.
1: that. Um, um, but also, things that I remember from role models, there's a part after they've uh, they've broken up, Paul Rudd and Elizabeth Banks, this happens very early on, I wouldn't really consider that much of a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the impetus for a lot of uh, what happens in the movie. Um, and Paul Rudd is moping, and he laments, like... That he needs it in his life because uh, he says, we hate all the same things. And, like, that's funny and kind of sad, but also, like, I think more true of relationships than I think people really think. Like, you tend to think about what you have in common in, like, positive ways. Yeah. But, um, you know, the Sklar brothers had a, have a bit on, on their, I think it's on their first album, about how um, being able to complain is one of the, like most, they're talking about the sibling relationship, but it's true of, I think, romantic and long-term uh, relationships oh, as, yeah. as well. Like, I, I want to come home and, like, say, uh, you know, just something like, uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think of something that uh, Natalie and I have in common. But uh, just, well, I'll use just an example
0: like, for, for Jen and myself. Okay, uh, if I If I was upset by somebody talking in a movie theater and oh, Jen sure. said, it's not a big deal. Right, be yeah, like, that would be- uh, wait, what? Like, that would probably throw me. Like, something that is as bothersome fundamentally as that if she did not care. And actually, because that's the thing. When you complain about something, if you're upset with something... It's probably a big deal to you. It might be a a minor annoyance, but it it can be a big deal to you. And if it's not a big deal to the other person, then it will probably lead to the discussion of you're being too dramatic about this. It's like, if you were on board with me, you would be as dramatic. And so I think it is kind of important to maybe not phrase it the way I hate the same things, but it's kind of that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah
1: okay once again we've gotten off topic and I wanted this and we need to wrap up up soon too Um, but there's a thing I want to talk about back to Todd Phillips this is very important to me that we uh, get this out because uh, even though I didn't get to uh, write a review for the website last summer of The Hangover Part 2 um, I think I did mention it back when I was doing those movie journals which I don't think I'm going to do anymore I'm just too busy with yeah, you got uh, actual reviews. I have it. actual awesome. reviews to watch uh, to, uh, to write now. Um, so I think there are some my thoughts on the Hangover Part Two exist somewhere, um, but I am uh, I, I am definitely in the minority there as well. In that I didn't hate the Hangover Part Two. I wouldn't say I loved it or even really liked it. Some people I, were surprised at how much it wasn't awful. Um, but the thing is, it's. Uh, it, but it's it's similar in similar to Ted. It's generally not funny. Okay. Uh, did you see it Hangover Part Two? No. Okay. It's it's generally not funny, um, and uh, it is uh, like the exact same story as the first one, which is weird. Yeah. But I almost like that doesn't bother me as much as it does other people. I guess it bothered me. why um, I didn't see it. But it's uh, it's a well made movie, and I think Todd Phillips has actually grown film to film. Uh, as a, as a storyteller, um, it's where, whereas something like old school is that, uh, you know, the Martin breast school of just, uh, pointing the camera at the people who are being funny. Yeah. I feel, I feel like with each, with each film, you know, like, I mean, think about the opening, like the opening title sequence of the hangover with the Danzig song and those shots of, uh, Las Vegas at dusk. Yeah. And it just like, there's like a grime to it you know and there's like uh there there's a there's a there's a considered and cohesive aesthetic to the hangover and i found that even more so in the hangover part two like Mm -hmm. they he they went all the way to thailand to make this movie and Todd Phillips went out of his way to make the place look as fucking ugly as possible. Oh, I'm sure. And I like that. Uh, What's the one boi- place that's worse than Vegas? Got it. <laughs> Got it. But I think, no, I mean, there are ways you could shoot. I've seen movies set in Thailand that where it looks yeah. beautiful, you know? Yeah. Um, even like, you think of like the early scenes of, um, the beach, Danny Boyle's mm-hmm. film, which I like. Uh, I think a lot of people don't like that. Or the Dennis but, Hopper episodes of fishing with John. <laughs> okay. um, but even though in the beach he's, like, going to the, like, underground, like, parts, yeah. it's still, like, there's music by left field and there's, like, neon lights <laughs> and it's, like, uh, it's cool. Yeah. Thailand's cool. Like, the, the Thailand, even, uh, there's, a, there's like, a, the, the sort of climax, the, the Hangover Part 2 version of the desert scene is at a rooftop restaurant of a very tall building, very tall, fancy hotel mm-hmm. in Bangkok. Uh, even that looks gross because... I think he intentionally went out of his way to capture how smoggy okay. uh, Bangkok is and how like you're up there. It's like this, you're uh, theoretically up above all the grime of Bangkok, but he's still like the, the windows are like not clear, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's an ugliness to it's the a, movie. Yeah, grimy, and uh, all that. Yeah. And then there's uh, other things that have, you know, I think it's, it's kind of in the trailer, but you know, you get like, um, uh, Ed Helms, they're like there's a car chase and Ed Helms is like hanging out the like hanging his head out the side of the window and they hit a dead pig that's been hung uh. up and like cause, and and pig's blood splatters all over the car and all over Ed Helms and like the way it's cut in the trailer you think like oh that's gross and funny but it's like no that's really fucking gross uh, yeah. and like it stays on his face like uh-huh. it's just gross and I feel like. Todd Phillips is someone who started by, you know, um, going through hazing rituals and his frat house documentary, making a documentary about Gigi Allen. Like, he's got these, like, I think, uh, uh, provocative punk roots, and I kind of felt some of that coming through in The Hangover. It would be good if The Hangover Part 2 were funny that would okay. definitely help yeah. <laughs> it would have been better a better movie were it funny okay. but um i found because i found not only more so than seth MacFarlane making a competently told uh uh story with with ted um the hangover part two is there's actually some personal vision there's uh, and you know I, I don't know if Andrew Saris reviewed the hangover part two but there's an <laughs> arturist element yeah. to it you you see you see the you see his you see Todd Phillips coming through in the movie uh, and I, that's I, why I again I, I I'm making it sound like I like the movie more than I do it's still yeah it's still not funny and that's kind of a big deal to me but for the purposes of this conversation there are things about the hangover part two that I really liked. Uh, that make it more forgivable
0: than Ted. I want to go back to something that I I mentioned before, and I want to clarify in light of what you're talking about. Uh, when I said that uh, you know, if you have good characters, you've got a good setting, you've got a good story, and a, and a, and a world that you're exploring, uh, that a filmmaker just needs to get out of the way. Uh, I don't want people to take that to mean what you were talking about, which is. Just right, setting right. the camera yeah. down and letting the actors do the work. That's not the same as getting out of the way. You just mean not forcing the joke? N- yeah. Not yeah. forcing. It's just like if you, if everything is there, it's like, you know, if you wind this thing up, all you have to do is really let it go, but you still have a responsibility to have all the elements be there.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, that And to keep, it, mean, on track. And a, to keep a, it on track. A wind up toy will go, it'll, it'll go fall all all over over the, the table. Place, if it, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. It's, but you have a responsibility to like put all those pieces in place. And if that means that could mean exploring the world that you've created, which goes back to what you're talking about with hangover 2. like that pig thing. He found like if he's going to create a horrendous world with disgusting stuff <laughs> all over the place that like that is a bit of comedy of these characters interacting with the world he as the filmmaker has created and it's gross and it's shocking, but it also works in the context. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to say. I also wanted to, and I know we have to wrap up, but I also wanted to talk about the idea of the cheap laugh, and a cheap laugh can exist in uh, a poorly made movie or a well made film, and so because it's just it's just like a little like eh, there you go, whatever, <laughs> yeah, who yeah. gives a shit, um, and I and it's it's interesting because I just. Role, okay, you mentioned role models. And you mentioned, like, a character arc. I believe that year you talked about uh, Sean William S- Scott. Yeah, that's his yeah. name. Oh, my gosh. I was like, hang on. Who am I? Th- Eddie K. Thomas. No, that's someone else from American Pie. <laughs> Damn it. Thomas Ian Nicholas. No, that's someone else from American Pie. All these three named actors. Uh, Sean William Scott. Sorry. Sir Michelle Gellar. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned that his his performance was like an individual achievement of that year you really liked what he mm-hmm. did yeah. like and that's and his performance can be really good but there's also something that there has to be something for him to explore within within the character and so the jokes work there because it, it's it's like there's more they're not cheap. There's something to them. There's substance to them. Not to not to imply there's a depth to them, but there's just something that you can latch onto that is more than a hollow joke that exists only in the moment and then mo- and then you're just you're done with it. Like there are consequences to that joke. Uh, they may not be lasting. They may only last as far as that scene. They may last the whole movie, but there are consequences to it. Mm-hmm. I have nothing wrong with a cheap joke, but if you have a movie or a TV show or whatever of nothing but cheap jokes, and I recognize cheap sound... Maybe I'll say hollow. Okay. Hollow jokes that are... They just, they're just they there and they're gone. Um, then I think it's inherently going to be less satisfying.
1: I think when you're because uh, I've been thinking about comedies a lot today in preparation yeah. for this uh, what you're describing is why Austin Powers International Man of Mystery works for me, Spy Who Shagged Me and Goldmember do not
0: oh yeah uh, Spy Who Shagged Me where they have the I will say the hollow joke of fat bastard drinking a uh, oh yeah something that has nothing to do with the story or character yeah. or anything like that
1: yeah but I mean, uh, but, I mean uh, and oh. Uh, uh, the original *Austin Powers* is full of non sequiturs and, and, and stuff like that, but it doesn't—it doesn't feel hollow. I guess is what I'm right. saying.
0: Uh, Partially because it's, it's more of a of direct parody of a genre, and almost any time it goes off in one direction or another, uh, that doesn't have to do directly with the story and character, it's almost always to make a little a little tip of the hat to the genre of like the spy movie and that sort of thing. But then there's also little stuff like uh, genitals perpetually being blocked by something but then there's a a creativity to that that I can appreciate
1: but there was yeah the thing you're talking about the the parody work like that's why Dr. Evil is funny in the first one because you are comparing him to Bond villains like silly Bond villains and Lorne Michaels (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Whereas by the second and third thing, Dr. Evil was a thing unto himself. And it was, uh, I used the phrase earlier, but echo chamber. Like you're just sort of like intensifying the silliness and it no no longer has to do with the fact that he, you know, that like it was funny in the first one to take someone like, you know, Dr. No or one of these Bond villains and put him in a like father-son therapy session. Like that's funny because of, because of what you know about this. Whereas just isn't it funny that he has a mini me or and puts his his pinky up to his 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 mouth that's not that's not funny anymore that's hollow and you 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 absolutely uh
0: hit the nail on the head with the father-son thing because his whole thing of like shh shh like that's funny because it's a villain who is a father and acting fatherly rather than villainous Uh but then it turned into zip it Right in the second one, and now it's just a reference to the first joke without, right. w- and you take yeah. away that context. And by the way, he also makes reference to the Devo song "Whip It," which the character wouldn't be aware of. <laughs>
1: it's neither here nor there,
0: <laughs> but um, but it's like,
1: <laughs> like one. Well, you don't know between the first and the second. You know least, what? He might have got. I might Devo. be <laughs> limiting the
0: character. I'm sorry about that, everybody, but um. But that's, the, like, the first one works because, it, like I said, it's such an understanding of the character that it when it departs from that and it has a good reason to, that's where the humor comes in. And then it's yeah. just repeating the same yeah, thing in a mind. different way. I, I need way. to
1: watch this movie again. Because the other father, the thing, going back to the therapy session, he says, no, the boy's quite astute. I really am trying to kill him. <laughs> yeah. So far, unsuccessfully, he's proved, I, I can't remember the word yeah, he, he uses, but he's, I Wily." Mean, like, Wiley. Wiley. Much like his old man. Like, yeah. he's proud of him, but yeah. still trying to kill him. God, and just, that movie's fucking so funny. It's great. And just, it's like, and just, shh,
0: before you even start. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I just want you to know, I've got a whole bag of shh with your name on it. Oh, it's so fatherly. That's it. I'm
1: st- I, I'm buying that DVD on the way no, home today. No question about <laughs> it. Like, it's, it's
0: such a, and that,
1: you know what? That is, a,
0: that series is perfect because,
1: Oh, perfect example! Of a what perfect example yeah. of what we're talking. It's about. not a perfect series. There's only no, no, not at all. It, yeah. It's
0: a perfect example of what we're talking about. Almost, almost every joke, and there are there are kind of random jokes, but it goes to what what I I've, I've been talking about, which is it explores the world that it creates, understands how broad it can be, how specific it can be, and then the second one just throws everything at the wall, sees what sticks. Some of it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a sucker for fat bastard yelling, "Get in my belly," because <laughs> that's a weird thing to yell, uh-huh. like. If he just, if he, it makes more sense to say, I'm going to eat you, but like, why would the guy voluntarily get in his bed? That's neither here nor there.
1: And you know what? I will say the third one has, I never saw the third one. Okay. Well, this is more, um, I guess clever than it is funny, but you, you know, the, you talk about the different things covering up the genitals. Yeah. There's a part in the third one where he's talking to a, a, they're talking in Japanese and it keeps looking like the Japanese guy is saying these awful things. Mm-hmm. But then something on the screen will move and you realize that part of the subtitle was, was like, oh. uh, like basically the subtitle is in white and there'll be something white on the screen. Yeah. So you're only seeing part of it. And then he'll like pick up to offer some tea and you realize that, Oh, the teacup was blocking the last part of that. See, sentence. That's great. And that's actually, it's yeah. And it goes back to the idea of actually using the film
0: right. format. Yeah. And so it's, and then, and we do need to wrap up, so I won't even go too far into this. But I will say that, like, if you want a great example of, of what we're talking about, just great filmmaking that uses filmmaking often to make the joke, not unlike the, the faux mirror doorway sequence from Airplane, but then also has a deep understanding of character, but has a lot of what one could just call gags, anything by Buster Keaton
1: oh sure yeah
0: buster keaton like explored the frame explored filmmaking as a mechanism more so than like almost any other filmmaker comedy or otherwise silent or otherwise uh ever yeah and he's hysterical
1: yeah and the laughs yeah damn it he's and he's um uh buster keaton is of course talked about as a as a comic and as a yeah director of comedies but with the general and steve bill jr he made action movies as well oh yeah <laughs> like, to me those movies uh, the general i almost think of first as an action movie it's yeah. so it's 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 so tense in that yeah. way it spans several several genres
0: but then um, also like he's also a surprisingly experimental filmmaker you see sherlock jr and that is a man yeah. intent on exploring what movies are like uh-huh. it's really fascinating but also still Genuinely humorous. Yeah, Steam- so, Steamboat
1: Bill Jr. is still my favorite.
0: I know. I still. I think I still like the general more. Steamboat Bill Jr. is pretty good though.
1: All right, um, pretty good. I mean, brilliant. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to wrap it up there. I think yeah, sure. Um, uh, should have mentioned this at the top, but uh, if you are going to San Diego, San Diego Comic Con International 2012. Um, dating this for anyone who might be listening to it years from now. Yeah. Um, Kicking themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come out uh, and hang out with us and uh, drink on, on us. Not only really on us, but you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Um, Thursday, that's the July 12th uh, at a bar called Dublin Square, which is on 4th. Uh, so just one block over from that main drag on 5th um, uh, of the Gaslamp District. Uh, 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, I don't think they're gonna kick you out at ten. Right. But eight to ten PM is when you get to drink for free. Yeah. Uh so um come and meet us as well. It's and it's not just us putting it putting it on. This is a three way meetup. Uh, it's uh it's called Dial M for Meetup. Mm-hmm. Um I'm very proud of that. Uh, clever little title. Uh it's us, it's Criterion Cast, um and it's the Warner Archive Collection. Uh, now when I say Criterion Cast I think I pretty much just mean Uh, Ryan, yeah. Um, uh, I don't think James is coming. James or Travis are coming out, but um, yeah. Check. uh, So yeah, come come to that if you're if you're going to be at Comic Con or in the San Diego area. Yeah. If you're just in the San Diego area, um, find a way into the city other than driving. Yeah, take a bus or something. You don't want to pay twenty bucks (laughs) just to meet us. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You yeah you'll spend on parking what you would have spent on drinks. You stay home and drink. There you go. um, uh, yeah, if you can if you can come out, we would we would love to meet you, uh, and you can you can meet uh, Criterion Cast and Warner Archive Collection people as well. So that's Thursday, July twelfth, eight to ten p.m. at Dublin Square. Um, I'll talk about it again next week. Uh, you can find Sad Battleship Pretension uh, where you can read all those awesome reviews that I was uh, saying you guys weren't reading enough of. Um, you can. Uh, find email us david at battleship or tyler at battleship you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com slash the pretension or follow tyler on twitter at twitter.com slash more lessons which is the official twitter of his other podcast more than one lesson which is at more than one and my other podcast is previously on it's a weekly television uh, review recap uh, discussion show with news and that's at previously on is that it yeah, I think you, so. You can get a headache. Uh, no, I was. I just totally was phased out yeah. thinking about
0: the next thing. That yeah, we we're have to do another episode.
1: So, so um,
0: all right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye, bye.